Maybe I'm a little biased, but I'm a big fan of Canadian whiskey. A secret for you is that this podcast gets edited in the evening a lot of time, after kids go to bed and maybe with a whiskey or two by my side. So when Hiram Walker's master blender agreed to a conversation about distilling in Canada, I couldn't help but get a little excited. After all, from a consumer perspective, their brands like JP Weiser's, Polar Ice Vodka, Malibu Rum, McGuinness Liqueurs, and more make them one of the leaders in spirits production here in Canada. And then from the farm perspective, their impact is one we don't always think of at first, but they're in fact a huge buyer of grains. At the site, we bring in 100,000 metric tons of corn a year, about 30,000 metric tons of rye, and then some smaller grains like barley and wheat. Um, certainly very important to the economic area of Windsor, Ontario. So with that kind of an impact, what makes Dr. Don Livermore, a rural Ontario-raised kid and now world-renowned blender, lay awake at night? That's an excellent question because that's the question every master blender struggles with at night. I'm Andrew Campbell and this is Food Bubble, where today's episode is a conversation on becoming a master blender, what makes a good whiskey, and how does Canada capitalize on some enormous potential on a global level? It's questions we all try to answer, and it's all next here on Food Bubble. Knowing you've chosen the best insurance company to protect your business should not be complicated. If you have a farm, you need a farm insurance expert. Trillium Mutual's real Ontario farm insurance brokers understand the unique needs of your farm operation. Trust them to provide you with the best coverage across Ontario. To find a real Ontario farm insurance broker near you, visit TrilliumMutual.com and follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Trillium Mutual for tips on how to protect what matters most to you. Dr. Don Livermore is the master blender at Hiram Walker, a distillery in Windsor, Ontario, that dates back over 160 years. Today, one of their most popular brands is J.P. Weiser's, a household name when it comes to Canadian whiskey. So Don, let's start with your personal story. I don't know if as a kid you had this dream of blending whiskey, but you started your education with a degree in microbiology later getting your master's and then PhD in brewing and distilling. Maybe you can tell us what your journey has been to become this master blender. Yeah, I'm from a farming community myself. I'm from Fordwich, Ontario. Um, we're uh, very close to Listowel, Ontario, where Letter County is based off of, to give you uh, perspective. And uh, myself, I'm not from a farm, but I worked on farms uh, growing up. Uh, in fact, my first job was... Uh, working on a dairy farm, putting hay bales in for $4 an hour. And I got a good lunch with that one too. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, being in that community, certainly the agricultural roots uh, was kind of always in the back of my mind and uh, had inspiration from a grade 10 biology teacher, um, actually to go into the sciences and in particular biology, where I went to the University of Waterloo, where I did a microbiology degree. Um, at that point, my mindset was more around genetic engineering and probably manufacturing drugs and working in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, but as any uh, newly grad, I was looking for work and I was putting resumes into many types of different companies. And uh, a friend pointed out to me, there was an opening for a microbiology position at the Hiram Walker Distillery in Windsor, Ontario. Never been to Windsor in my life. Um, came here for the interview, got the job, and I've been here for 23 uh, years now. And uh, 
the company has been fantastic uh, for me. I'm, some days I like to call myself human resources poster boy, uh, where they actually spent uh, 100% of their money and uh, uh, they sent me to school to do a master's of science in brewing and distilling. Uh, that's at Harriet's Watt University in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, and again, I'm a sucker for education and I, I continued on to do a PhD in brewing and distilling. And uh, the, the week I defended my PhD uh, happened to be the same week I got promoted into the master blender here at uh, Hiram Walker in 2012. One of the best uh, weeks certainly of my life. Wow, what a neat story and what, um, you know, kind of a, a great picture, I'd say. You know, it's not it's not every day that a company will foot an entire education bill for, well, it must have been, what, six or eight years you probably took to get your PhD. Uh, eight years to do my master's of science and, uh, sorry, excuse me, four years to do my master's of science, four years to do my PhD, um, a total of eight years of going to school while working. But uh, I, I think it, it was great. I know applying to Harriet Watt University, um, when I made my application and, and there was a Canadian whiskey producer, I think they welcomed me with open arms. Uh, typically, people that go into that program tend to stay on the brewing side of the business or, or, for, or from scotch or, or things like that. But uh, to get a Canadian whiskey producer was probably the first uh, time they've ever seen that. Well, and I want to start talking about, um, you know, kind of the the process for Canadian whiskey in a minute, but maybe we can back up a little bit to Hiram Walker itself. And maybe you can give me a snapshot in terms of, um, you know, what that company looks like, you know, what's at your facility in Windsor? Yeah, it is the largest uh, beverage distillery in North America, although that's debatable because we do size each other differently, whether it's case goods or number of barrels or... Uh, distilling volume, but we're certainly up there in size. Um, at the site, we bring in uh, 100,000 metric tons of corn a year, about 30,000 metric tons of rye, and then some smaller grains uh, like barley and wheat. Um, certainly very important to the economic area of Windsor, Ontario. We do get our local grains as local as possible. I know that's a catchphrase from marketing nowadays, but as your audience will know, locality is certainly a lot about shipping around grains. So uh, being in a corn belt where we are, that's that tends to be the grains. And probably up until this point um, this year, we were we were probably getting Canadian grain exclusively. Uh, this year, as, as you know, Southwestern Ontario, the farmers got their crops in a little late. So uh, so we had to go to the Michigan for the first time I've seen in, in many, many years. Um, for us, uh, we will process uh, probably about 15 truckloads of grain a day, um, which will equate to about 140,000 liters of absolute alcohol uh, on a day, um, which keeps us rather busy. And then, of course, being a whiskey distillery, uh, at the same rate, we're filling up uh, about 1,500 barrels in that same day and draining and blending and bottling uh, case goods. Um, in terms of case good size, uh, we have... Um, uh, we make about four and a half million to five million cases a year. And at our aging facility, we have in storage 1.6 million barrels. Pretty, pretty big size, pretty big economic uh, impact to the, 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 the Canadian government. One of the things I always like to pick on certainly is taxes, as your, your audience would appreciate. Um, for us, uh, one barrel of whiskey is about $1,000 worth of tax. And if we have 1.6 million barrels out in inventory, that means we have $1.6 billion of excise tax sitting here uh, at one facility. And 
And I think the economic impact that distilling in, in particular whiskey has to the Canadian economy is huge. No, I, and, and one of the things I'll, I'll often say that, I mean, if you look in 2017 in Canada, we celebrated an anniversary and many people in my audience has always, oh, it's the 150 year birthday for Canada. And I said, no, it's, uh, that's not the anniversary I talk about. It's the anniversary of paying taxes. In 2017, we celebrated uh, 100 years of paying taxes. And up until 1917, Canadians were not income taxed whatsoever. But you know who were the biggest taxpayers in Canada? Was the five largest distilleries, which was Gooderham, Munwarts, Hiram Walker, uh, Weiser's, Corby, and Seagram's. And there are times I'll say Canada was built on whiskey. Yeah, well, I, I actually think they should take uh, some of our politicians off our uh, currency and put the whiskey barons on the front of our currency because that's how important they were to Canadian life. Obviously, I want to talk mostly about whiskey here, but um, it's not the only product um, that you guys deal with at Hiremacher. Is it the only one that you distill there or are you just packaging some of the others? What are some of the other brands, I guess? In terms of whiskey brands, uh, the, the flagship brand is J.P. Weiser's. And certainly J.P. Weiser's Deluxe is the, the most popular Canadian whiskey in Canada. Um, but uh, we have Lot 40, Pike Creek, Gooderham and Warts uh, as our other mainstay brands that we do manufacture here. Plus, we also manufacture uh, bulk whiskey for third-party customers. So you can um, start and operate your own whiskey company if you want. Uh, you can call it Fresh Air uh, whiskey and we'll, we will work with you in developing recipes and, and you can bring it to market. So we do have that side of the business that is quite significant, but uh, we don't only stop there. I mean, this facility, I have many writers that come through it and say, this is one of the most incredible distilleries in the world because you can make so many different variants of spirits here. Um, we do make polarized vodka, which is uh, uh, a rather popular brand inside of Canada. Uh, we do have the McGinnis liqueur lines as well. Um, and I mean, there's so many different variants of that. You get into uh, your uh, flavored whiskeys, you get into like a triple sack. We do make the base spirits for those things as well. Um, we do ferment uh, some rum here um, that goes into lambs. Uh, so we do, do get our cane from a Canadian supplier um, and, and dealing with the um, uh, fructose corn syrup in some recipes, sucrose in others, so that has impact to the farming life as well. Um, and uh, certainly probably the largest and most popular piece good at our site is Malibu rum. Um, it may not uh, um, certainly impact your uh, farming community because we do bring in the cane alcohol from the islands, but we ultimately blend it and uh, package it here. So those are probably our, our, our largest days at site. We do dabble in gins once in a while but those are our smaller brands. That's a pretty significant portfolio. Anyway, when you talk about some of the most popular items you can find, you know, at a liquor store um, in the country, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, the flexibility uh, on the site. Like I said, I have many writers will come in and they'll tell me it's one of the most flexible uh, distilleries in the world. Cause usually when you go to a distillery, they're making one, maybe two different products. Uh, uh, but to make the whole, array of spirits that you would see in a, in a liquor store is, is quite unique in our industry. 
Mm-hmm. Now, um, in terms of the product itself, and this is, you know, kind of specifically talking about Canadian whiskey, I've seen in a few things, you know, one of the comments you've made is that Canadian whiskey as a product is one of the most um, flexible spirits um, there is in terms of, you know, the regulation to, um, you know, produce it. So maybe you can, you know, kind of walk us through where that flexibility is as that truck arrives to your plant, one of those 15 trucks a day, what is that process to get it, um, you know, all the way to a bottle and why is it so flexible? Yeah. What I say, say to folks is, 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 um, is this Canadian whiskey is the most innovative, creative, adaptable style of whiskey there is in the world. Um, All they have to do is be made of grain. It can't be made of sugar cane or, or anything like that. It has to be made of grain has to be fermented, aged, and distilled in Canada, aged in a wooden barrel of less than 700 liters for a minimum of three years and a minimum of 40% alcohol. That's it. So they don't tell me I have to use a mash bill like other whiskey categories. For example, bourbon has to have a mash bill by definition. I, I can make one. I don't have to make one. So that gives me flexibility. Um, I They don't tell me how to distill it. There's many different methods of distilling, column distillation, pot distilling, and I use both and, and a combination of both in some cases and and it's just a wooden barrel a lot, a lot of whiskey uh, uh, categories in the world has to be in white oak or a, a white oak container that is brand new whereas us i i can use a wood of any type i i can use barrels that have been used over and over again which will bring in flavors to your whiskey and what i say is that makes canadian whiskey diverse isn't that canada I think we got a whiskey definition that matches the diversity of Canada as a nation. And uh, quite honestly, I find different regions in the world have different taste profiles. I find um, different locations in this country and I find different um, um, age groups liking different uh, styles of whiskey. And I think we can provide uh, a whiskey for you, a whiskey for you and a whiskey for you. And that's, that's the biggest thing as a master blender. I'm not making whiskey for myself. I'm making a whiskey for our consumers and, and what they're uh, uh, what they're looking uh, what they're looking for. In terms of, and this is you know just coming from having followed you on Instagram um, at least for the last little while. CDN Whiskey Doc being your handle, um, you know, and I've seen a few pictures over the last while in terms of, you know, you setting up these kind of grand rooms with a whole bunch of, um, you know, kind of different whiskey in different areas. Um, is, is that how you go about, you know, actually blending product or, or what's your process for actually creating, you know, you've got your recipe for, you know, JP Weiser's deluxe, but for making, you know, kind of a new product, how do you go about doing that? Um, I've worked with uh, certainly with marketing. I think one of the biggest mistakes that, um, blenders will do is they probably stay at home in their laboratories designing whiskeys. Whereas I've had the philosophy that I got to get out there and talk uh, to our consumer as to what people are looking for. Um, I, I think I, I listen quite well. Um, are you looking for a spicy whiskey? Are you looking for a smooth whiskey? Are you looking for a whiskey with age? So so I listen to what they're doing. And one of the things that I'll do, and I encourage your audience to go to uh, www.jpwiserstour.ca is I hold a blend your own whiskey or blending 101 where you can come and 
learn to blend whiskey with me. So I will line up 240 different whiskeys out on a countertop. And these are things I'm working on. I'll look at people's reactions, look at people's feedbacks. I save the recipes that they, that they make. But you get to learn to blend your whiskey. So those are some of the ideas that I that I, I look at. And I take that information and I certainly relay it to marketing. You say, you know, you may want to try this. Or I go to our sales teams. Has anyone requested and asked for this in the market? So it's a little bit of back and forth. And it's a little bit of test and learn. And it's, and it's a little bit of getting your consumer hands on to what you you're want to try. And uh, I, and I, I've probably been doing this blending 101 probably for oh, probably a little over a year now. I do it four times a year and it is a, it's a fantastic experience. If any of your listeners are certainly want to do it. Oh, forget the listeners. I'm, I'm going to that party. That sounds like a good one. It, it is. And I, quite honestly, I get people inside the LCBO that are actually workers or district managers and they tell me, how do I get in on that? And these are people that have been in the industry for a long, long time. And it's certainly, certainly one of those things as a pillar as a company is we want to educate our consumers or our customers on what we can do here and what Canadian whiskey is all about. Quite frankly, I think that has been one of the downfalls to Canadian whiskey is that we've never gone out there and told our story. You know, what do you pay for a bottle of scotch when you go to a liquor store? You know, it's it's not un, unheard of to spend over $100, $150 for a bottle of scotch. But in the Canadian whiskey category, the same age of whiskey, we're selling for $30, $40. And we as Canadians have done a terrible job telling our story in terms of the quality products that we make in Canada and certainly of the quality ingredients that we do use in Canada. And I don't know whether it's the apologetic nature of Canadians uh, why we don't go out and brag, shall we say, about what we can do? Because I'll I'll see Scotch producers march out master blenders all day long, and I'll I'll see bourbon producers march out um, master distillers all all day long. But you rarely see a master blender from Canada talking about the things that we do very well here. Well, then let's skip ahead to that part of the discussion right now, since we're in it. In terms of you know, Canada being, um, you know, not just, you know, producing this, you know, great product for a domestic audience, but actually taking that and whether it be the story or, you know, obviously the goal of having the actual product move out, but Canadian whiskey, sure, you know, there's a bit that goes around the world and there's some popularity in some areas, but, but how do, you know, you as, um, you know, a company or, you know, Canada as, um, you know, a government go out and actually promote and get more product and more of that whiskey brand on a global scale to really be, you know, kind of the powerhouse that it actually could become in the world of spirits. First of all, um, from what I can tell going out into the marketplace, people are very curious about Canadian whiskey. Again, they say, what is it? Where are you from again? Uh, how is Canadian whiskey made? Tell us about and I, So there is a natural curiosity about Canadian whiskey and, and, and in particular uh, around rye nowadays. <clears throat> rye is a very spicy grain that gives a lot of character to Canadian whiskey and it, it is the DNA to Canadian whiskey. Um, and if you have a chance to sit into a, a very technical uh, presentation, I will often say lignin is the world's most unappreciated molecule and rye has a lot of lignin in it. That's why it gives us spiciness to Canadian whiskey. And, and when I start telling that stories to consumers out uh, around the world, they say, wow, I mean, 
where have you been is often the the feedback that I get. Uh, now we understand what you're trying to achieve as a uh, whiskey producer. Um, now, again, part of my responsibility is when I'm out in the field is some markets don't want the big spiciness. And uh, for example, when I go over to France, they want a lighter style whiskey. And we find the brand Pike Creek that's finished in a rum barrel does very well there. But if I go to the city of New York, uh, or the city of Chicago, where there's a huge cocktailing culture, uh, they want Lot 40, which is 100% rye. They want a big, bold style of whiskey. If I am to go to Texas, they want a sweeter style of whiskey, which I'd get into the J.P. Weiser's lineup of whiskeys. Um, and you can go anywhere in between. And we are focusing on markets uh, uh, in the last year or so. And France is one of them. Germany in particular. Australian likes, likes Canadian whiskey. We're moving our, our brands into the UK and into Ireland, and uh, it is exciting times. Uh, we're, you know, it's slowly but surely in telling that story, and, and I, I think that's where the biggest impact and and getting people educated on on what we can do here in Canada and the great quality ingredients that come from Canada. Now, in terms of you know getting that kind of raw product from the farm level you talked about, is there anything specific you're looking for when you're um, you know going out and purchasing that grain, or is it just you know y- you want a good quality grain and and you'll look after the rest? Well, certainly, the second is pertains. Yes, good quality of grain, we'll look after but the rest. But there is a little bit more detail. I encourage your listeners if they were to look me up. Um, uh, my uh, Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn handle is CDN Whiskey Doc, and that's whiskey without an E, CDN Whiskey Doc. And look at the Canadian whiskey flavor wheel that I've developed. And what I have on that wheel uh, is divided into three sections and where flavor for whiskey comes from. It either comes from the, the barrel, the wood, or it comes from yeast. And, and from your perspective, grain. And grain is one of those things that we can manipulate as a blender. Uh, in terms of creating the flavors we're looking for. So if I were to use corn in our recipe, uh, it gives a sweet uh, impression to our whiskeys. If I were to use rye, it gives you that nice spicy uh, flavor we're looking for. If I was to use barley, it gives you a nutty character. Don't use a lot of barley in Canadian whiskey, but um, certainly the, the Irish whiskey would give you a, a good example of what a barley uh, flavor whiskey would be like. And wheat, uh, I've been playing with a little bit of red winter wheat in the last number of years, but it gives you that, sometimes I call that Tim Hortons character, but that, that nice bready, breadiness we're looking at for whiskey. So, I mean, changing around the levels of those grains in our final blend certainly can up, up those, any of those flavors. And that's what I'm really looking for. On a second note, we will bring in grain under the Canadian Grain um, Commission's um, regulations. You know, we are looking for moisture content and crack kernel form material, that sort of thing in our, in our grains. Uh, but a couple of things that, that uh, will alarm us, one certainly is your toxin level in your grains, because we do sell back our distiller grains back to our farming communities because uh, it's a high protein feed. And that's where a lot of those toxins would end up. And as, as you know, if you have any uh, um, dairy farmers or beef farmers out there, as toxins can be significant to them. The, the second quality thing that we, we will get alarmed at is also a odor to our, to our grains. Uh, we can do all those nice analytical testings that uh, that's in the Grain Commission, pass our, our those specifications, but we actually physically pick up our grain and smell it. And our supervisor at our grain elevator, she's looking for 
a musty odor in the grain. Uh, that's a compound called geosmin. Sometimes it smells like an old book. It smells like grandma's root cellar, uh, beets, uh, baseball diamond dirt. And the problem with that is it survives fermentation, distillation, and aging. And I'd have to deal with it 18 years later. So we do have the right, and our growers know it, that we will reject just based on its smell. So those are a couple of the highlights we look for. And certainly... Uh, when we're selecting and choosing grain. Now, in terms of, you know, kind of looking ahead to the future, you talked about obviously, you know, building markets as being, you know, kind of a recent goal you've got, um, you know, but I wonder about, um, you know, as you look ahead, you know, certainly I look at, you know, the changing demographics, you know, particularly here in North America, an aging demographic that might, um, you know, appreciate a whiskey a little more. Are you seeing, um, you know, kind of a buildup of demand because of that? Or, or where do you see the, um, you know, future in demand for Canadian whiskey? That's an excellent question, because that's the question every master blender struggles with at night. Um, it's it's hard to tell because whiskey, we got to be aged for a minimum of three years. And looking into that crystal ball, what do people want three years from now? And if you're getting into the premium category, which, which people are looking for and willing to pay, you're now talking 5, 10, 15, 20 years out the road. What are people going to be drinking 10 years from now? I would like to know um, because it is the biggest tr- struggle and, and you got to kind of look into that crystal ball and talk to those consumers and ask what they're finding interesting. One of the things I'll say, I, I'm a little older. Uh, I grew up on a meat and potato diet in Midwestern Ontario. Uh, I now live in the city. My kids are growing up on sushi. Uh, not that my kids drink alcohol, but you, you're starting to see a trend where um, the new generation uh, of, of people becoming older have been exposed to the diversity of Canadian culture. They're going to different restaurants, different spices, different different diversity coming into the country and having those experiences. And we're seeing the same thing or the same trends in, in whiskey. So what I see five years out from now is people are looking for bigger, bolder, spicier styles of whiskeys, but we're starting to blend more rye into our whiskey. This year in the Hiram Walker's 160 year history, we've bought more rye than we've ever had to handle in, a, in, in the entire history. It, it's incredible the dynamic that the consumer's looking for bigger, spicier, bolder whiskeys. So if I start seeing that trend, one of the things is we've got some of our growers to contract out grow for Seto rye. So it's a very specific variety of rye that has been uh, developed in Germany, and we actually contract grow. And what we find has given our whiskey far more consistency in, in terms of just buying grade two rye, and it's also a little more spicier. And I think this is the direction we're going to go. These will be claims we'll be making on our products at some point that this has been made with Percento rye. I think that will get the consumer excited. But I mean, I'm even more looking out, is there other examples of hybrids of rye that will give you even more spicy flavors that are looking um, the other side of the token is, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at very unique or ancient yeast trains that I got in frozen culture that from the 1930s that Hiram Walker kept uh, here, and, and I'm going to start fermenting those out because today people don't even know yeast makes alcohol. Ten years from now, I think consumers are going to be asking those questions. So that's kind of the roadmap I've kind of been thinking about, uh, and I probably won't take credit for it. It'll be the next master blender, but that's part of my legacy is certainly leave good spirits, good whiskeys behind for the next uh, person to, to take on as, as being the blender. 
a little bit like my retirement package, shall we say. Yeah, well, but what a challenge when you do start thinking about, you know, not just three years, but, you know, when you do start talking about that 10 plus years out, you know, what an incredible challenge to, you know, look back and say, oh, man, I wish they'd done this differently a decade ago, um, you know, but but you just don't know it. It really does become a guessing game. So, I, well, no, it, it, listening to your consumer, I mean, it really, really and paying attention and seeing trends is that's that's probably the most concrete way of being able to predict what we want 10 years from now. But then just, you know, kind of finally, do you think that, you know, with all that kind of in your mind and, you know, staying awake at night, trying to make sure you have that, um, you know, kind of product correct 10 years from now, do you think the future is pretty bright, um, you know, in your business? Yeah, I do. Um, one of my favorite moments is when I go to these whiskey festivals or different countries and you're going around from booth to booth to trying whiskeys with consumers. Um, and I'm at my booth and people don't really pay attention at some points and, oh yeah, give me your whiskeys. And, and then this, they'll say, where are you from again? From Canada. And I think that's my favorite moment when you can have that conversation one-on-one or whether it's with an audience and you can just see their eyes and light up and their minds turn as to the quality products that we make here in Canada. That's my favorite moment is explaining, is a little bit bragging and taking that Canadian pride and translating that into the products that we make. It is a challenge, uh, slowly but surely it's changing and I think it's bright. I think it's bright. I think as long as, as, long as we keep that chain of quality ingredients and, and quality production practices and, and listening to our consumers and giving them what they want to drink, I think Canadian whiskey um, has a bright, bright future. Well, if I have to, I'll continue to be a consumer and, you know, just, you know, pull one for the team if, if I have to, just to make sure that happens. So, well, but that's, that's the thing I know. I mean, to your audience, if I, if I have that challenge, you know, you're going into the holiday season and it is a gift giving time, you know, take a second thought. And instead of giving a, a bottle of whiskey from a different country, pick up a bottle of Canadian whiskey and, uh, in particular, Law 40, Pike Creek, Twitter, Hammond Warts, or J.P. Weisers certainly would help us as a distillery. Uh, but they're, they're award-winning, and they have lots of different flavor profiles that you can find. Talk to your, uh, your uh, product consultants in your liquor stores, and they should be able to direct you to the you know, type of taste profile you're looking for. That's wonderful. All right, Don. Well, thanks very much for doing this. Anything else you want to add before I hit the stop record button? You know what I want to add is we appreciate and thank our uh, farming community that does supply our, our grains to our facility. Without you guys, we will never be able to make the good quality products. We sincerely thank you and uh, and certainly thank you for being loyal consumers as well. Canadian consumers have lots of questions about their food. Don't let someone else tell your story for you. Farmfood360.ca is an award-winning online video project. Its mission is to help farmers, food processors, and others tell their own stories in their own words, and to be a trusted resource for consumers using high-quality video and 360-degree technology. Show the world the beauty of Canadian agriculture. Tell your story with farmfood360.ca. Visit www.farmfoodcareon.org for details. From nutrition to how it's grown, you have lots of questions about your food. Don't waste time online trying to find the best answers. 
Find food and farming information you can trust right now at bestfoodfacts.org. Bestfoodfacts.org connects you with leading university experts on food and farming in North America. A credible source found across all social channels, it features over 500 answered questions and new content every week. Your food and farming questions answered. Visit bestfoodfacts.org today. If you missed it through this episode of Food Bubble, Dr. Livermore's social handles on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn are all CDN Whiskey Doc. Whiskey spelled without the E. He's definitely worth a follow if you have any interest in spirits. While searching for him, you can find me on any of those platforms as well. My handle is Fresh Air Farmer. Make sure to send your feedback if you have any ideas for future episodes. I'm always happy to hear them. Of course, social media being probably the best way to do that. You can find Food Bubble in any of your favorite podcasting apps. We also drop into the feed for realagriculture.com's audio content. That can be found in your feed by simply searching Real Agriculture's podcasts. I'm Andrew Campbell. Thanks for listening. We'll talk food and drink again soon. Mm-hmm.